0: wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 1st Samuel, chapter number 10. The book of 1st Samuel, chapter number 10. We're going to read verse 24, read down and include verse 27. Today we're reading again from the New Living Translation. 1st Samuel, chapter number 10. Began reading with verse number 24. The Bible says, Then Samuel said to all the people, This is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people what the rights and the duties of a king were. He wrote them down on a scroll and placed it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent the people home again. When Saul returned to his home at Gibeah, a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But there were some scoundrels who complained, How can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts. But Saul ignored them. I'd like to read verse 26 again this morning. The Bible says that when Saul returned to his home at Gibeah, A group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. I'm using for my subject this morning, it takes a team. It takes a team. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will be upon uh, the word of the Lord this morning and be upon the messenger uh, today. God, give us ears upon our hearts today. Let us hear the word of God. And then, Lord, let us, Lord, not only be uh, hearers, but also doers All for your glory we pray in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, somebody correctly said, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. So I was thinking about this this, uh, throughout this week. I began to think of the fact that just about everything in life is built around a team. It begins at home. Marriage is a team. Or it ought to be. The family is a team. Sports are built around teams. When you go to work, you join a team. The church is a team. In order to make the wheels of New Bethel go around, it takes A team. You need a leader. You need staff. You need deacons. You need workers. You need members. It takes a team. The leader can't do it without workers and followers. The workers and followers need a leader. It takes a team. Now in 1 Samuel chapter 10 that we just read... A team is being established. And there are six things that I find here, six things that I see in these few short verses that I want to point out to you this morning. And the first thing that I see here, I see the announcement. The announcement, the announcement, verse 24, then Samuel said to all the people, This is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. The announcement. Every team needs a leader. Oh, it's working. (laughs) Every team needs a leader. Anything with more than one head is a freak. Now, the leader is not necessarily any better than anyone else. He just has a different role to play. The leader has more perks than anybody else on the team. But he also has more responsibility than anybody else on the team. Because the sign on the leader's door says, the buck stops here. Now, a problem arises on the team when the leader fails to lead. I many know that many marriages are in trouble today because the God-called leader of the marriage, which is the husband, Amen. refuses to lead. Yes. Many corporations are in trouble today because the CEO of the company refuses to make the tough decisions that need to be made. He will not make them because he knows that if he makes them, he will become unpopular with the workers of the company. And likewise, many churches are in trouble today because their God-called leader has rubber for a backbone and will not stand up for anything, will not speak up for anything, is easily swayed by popular opinion or pressure from influential people in the church. Every team needs a leader and every team needs their leader to lead. first thing I see in our scripture today is the announcement. The second thing that I see here is the acknowledgement. The acknowledgement. Verse 24, Samuel says, here's your man, Saul, your leader, your king. And all the people shouted, long live the king. You see, the people acknowledged Saul as their leader. They accepted him as their God-appointed leader. Every team that wants to guarantee success should acknowledge and embrace and support their God-appointed leader. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your soul, and they are accountable to God. See, I can't worry about everybody liking me. I've got to worry about the fact that I am accountable to God for your soul. I cannot make your decision for you this morning, but I am accountable to make sure Amen, that I deliver what the Word of the Lord says, that I present to you, amen, the principles of the Word of God, the commands of the Word of God. And sometimes it doesn't make the man of God very popular. Especially in our day today, when preachers are skirting around every issue, Trying to put on some slick program instead of doing their job. What their job is, amen, is to get on their prayer bones, amen, and call out to God and let God give them a message and then stand up on Sunday and declare, thus saith the word of the Lord. Hebrews 13 and 17, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your soul and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow because that would certainly not be for your benefit. So every team should have a clearly defined leader. There should be absolutely no question as to who the leader is. Hear me this morning. I'm not talking about a dictator. I'm not talking about somebody that's on some kind of a power trip. And let me say this to leaders this morning. If you have to remind people all the time that you are the leader, then you are really not the leader. Because if you are really the leader, people know it. The leader of the team should be acknowledged and honored for his position. And I've said this before, but it, it bears repeating. When you cannot honor the person, you honor the position. I could meddle here, but I won't. Number three, I see. The assignment. The assignment is found in verse 25. Then Samuel told the people what the rights and duties of a king were. The assignment. He wrote them down on a scroll. See, God gives every leader an assignment. Every leader has an assignment. And when it comes to leadership, it's not one size fits all. God calls some leaders to be pioneers, to build something out of nothing. Like he did. He calls other leaders to take what somebody else has started and build on it. Still other leaders are called to restore what has been torn down, what has been broken, what has been damaged. You see, God places different burdens, different abilities, different desires in every leader's heart. And he takes those burdens and he takes those abilities and he takes those desires and he takes those motivations and he matches them to specific needs. And when and when what's in the leader's heart and hands are matched up to a particular need, then that leader can lead that situation out of trouble and into success. Now for me personally, there are two things that God has placed in my heart as my life assignment in ministry. I think one of the problems in the church today is pastors don't know what their life assignment is. And it took me a while to discover it, but I have discovered what my life assignment is in ministry. And once you know what your life assignment is in ministry, or your life assignment is in life, it'll help you incredibly. And for me personally, there are two things that God has placed in my heart as my life assignment in ministry. The first one is restoration. Restoration time and time and time again in the past 40 plus years of ministry God has placed my wife and I among the herding Amen thank you Lord hallelujah thank you Lord. Yes let me help you acknowledge your life assignment when something just keeps coming up just keeps appearing you move but it's the same thing you change but it's the same thing duh God's trying to tell you something He has a life assignment for you. Amen. God has sent to my wife and me the wounded, the bruised, the disillusioned. And He has sent us two people and people to us who have been beaten up. Not just by the devil. Beaten up by the church. Beaten up By church members, church leaders, beaten up by pastors. And He has called us, but not just to rebuild people and not just to reestablish people, but over and over again He has sent us to churches. Churches who have split. Churches that were only a shadow of what they once were. Churches that were in trouble financially. Churches that were in trouble in every other way. Restoration is what God has placed in our heart. And now God is calling us to take new Bethel, which has been fully restored. And He has called us to take new Bethel, which has been fully restored. And He is calling us to become the grace place. A place where caring people care for people. Surely God will send to us the broken, the hurting, the wounded, the disillusioned. People desperately in need of God's grace. And these types of people can be found among both the rich as well as the poor. God has has led us to begin a ministry called the care ministry. And in this ministry, our goal is to have every regular attender of this church cared for by a care minister. A care minister is a lay person in the church who has five, six, seven, eight families assigned to them to care for, to watch out over. At the moment we have about 80 to 85% of our regular attenders cared for by a care minister. That means we have 15 to 20% of our regular attenders who have no care minister, who have no one assigned to them to watch out for and care for them. We need more trained care ministers to care for the other 15 to 20% of our regular attenders who do not have a care minister and also to care for the people that God is going to bring to us at the grace place. If you think you might be interested in becoming a care minister, see Ricky Moffitt. Stand up, Ricky. See Ricky Moffitt. He is our care ministry director. See Mark Knowles, who also helps lead this ministry. I want to read you an email that I received this past week from someone who received restoration from our ministry right here at New Bethel. I won't read all of it to you, but only a part. It says, good morning. The email says, I should have sent this email long ago. It has been cycling through my mind for a while, and for that I apologize. Pastor, I want you to know what a strategic, God-ordained role New Bethel has been in my journey through this season of my life. When I brought the kids and, and, and moved back to Dallas, I was so broken My entire life seemed to lay shattered at my feet. I was having to pick up the pieces and start all over. Yet I didn't know where to start. The Lord led me to your church during the most vulnerable stage I have ever been in in my life. I needed a place with a seasoned pastor who was in tune with the Lord. I didn't need all the fluff many churches try to produce. I needed to hear a biblically based message, which yours definitely were. Your messages touched on my situation so many times. Sometimes they hurt because they pushed on those raw areas of my heart. But I think they allowed me to process mentally what I was feeling emotionally. Your sermons helped give a voice to different areas where I needed healing. I just couldn't analyze it on my own. My mind and body were just in survival mode. Yet you gave me a safe place to experience it, think about it, and allow the Lord to begin healing it. Pastor, you and your wife were both an integral part of this time for me. I know you probably had so many questions for me, but but you both gave me space while still allowing me to feel your love and concern. You never pushed me, but always reassured me that you were there if I needed anything. Your genuine concern was a healing balm to my heart. The season I was with your church was the most crucial time for me. The healing process began, and I progressed so much. When I look back to where I was a year ago, I am completely amazed. God has brought me so far. I am really doing well. That's what's in my heart. Some of you don't think I have a heart. That's what's in my heart. Restoration. That's what I see for the grace place. Restoration. Restoration. We're talking about the assignment. God gives every leader an assignment. Mine mine is twofold. Number one is restoration. My second assignment in life in my ministry is missions. Amen. Amen. Missions has always been a, a big part of my ministry. In missions, you need two things. You need goers and you need senders. Yes. Yes. God has called me to be a sender people are always trying to make a goer out of me and I have gone and I will go again but God has not called me to be a goer he has called me to be a cinder Romans chapter 10 verse 13 through 15 whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved but how can they call on him in whom they have not believed and how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard And how are they going to hear if they don't have a preacher? And how can the preacher preach unless somebody sends him? Two things you need in missions. You need goers and you need senders. And when a goer joins hand with a sender, the goer and the sender become a team. The goer can't get the job done without the sender, and the sender cannot get the job done without the goer. It takes takes teamwork to make the dream work. The assignment that God has given to New Bethel soon to become the grace place is twofold. It is restoration and it is missions. And there are many things that will pull and tug at us. There's so many things. There's a new book being written every single day about what we're doing wrong. Now you can't do it that way anymore. And blah, 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 blah. And it sells books. And some of them are genuine and some of them are good. And some writers are just getting rich. I can guarantee you success. And it's not by finding the latest fad and chasing after it. I can guarantee you success. And to guarantee success is simply to discover what in the world God put you on planet Earth to do and then do it. And I can guarantee success in this church. I don't care how old your preacher gets, we can still have success. By simply discovering what our life assignment is. What is it that God has put in our heart? Amen. What is it God wants out of us? And then do it with all of our heart. Do it with passion. Amen. Amen. We're not building the grace place, which by the way is going to be super cool. I'm not whining this morning. I'm not crying. I don't want you to feel sorry for, you, for me. I'm just telling you the truth. It's a load. I've never felt the load that I've felt with this one. Some days it's just really, really heavy. And so there have been times when I, I couldn't even enjoy the process. I used to enjoy the process. But the other day, I went in that building I didn't think about all the trouble. I didn't think about all the problems. Didn't think about the stupid city or, excuse me, or the fire department or the ADA or whoever else is trying to mess up my building. And it's not my building, excuse me. I went in there the other day, forgot about all that for a moment. I just started looking around. Not thinking about all the pressure, not thinking about the money I got to raise, not thinking about the hoops I got to jump through. I just started looking around. Wow, this place is cool. Whoa, this is awesome. And it is. It is. No, it's not your grandma's church. Grandma had her church. Amen. She had her church. We're not trying to reach grandma. Grandma's already reached by now, or she probably will not be reached. It's not about the past. It's not even about the present. It's about the future. I'm building a church. I'm building a church. So that when I'm gone, the church will still move forward. Amen. Amen. Yes. It won't be 20, 30 years behind. Amen. Amen. So I'm building. I'm not building with grandma old grandpa in mine. I'm not even oh, I started to say I'm yes, middle agers, but my wife told me the other day, you're not middle aged, you're a senior. <laughs> I said, I refuse to be a senior. But it used to not hurt me when I stomped like that. So, <laughs> let, me, let me just tell you that. We're not building the grace place, which by the way is going to be super cool. But we're not building this building just for the cool factor. We are not building it just so more people will show up. And so we can have a bigger church than any other AG church in the area. And so we can say to all the other AG churches in the area, Our church is bigger than your church. no, no, na, 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 na. No, we are building it for the hurting. We are building it for the wounded. We are building it for the bruised. We are building it for the broken. We are building it for them to come and find unconditional love. We are building it for a safe place where they can come and be accepted. In the email, it said, thank you for a safe place. That's what I've always wanted the church to be. I'm telling you, not every church is a safe place. Some places, listen, the church is the worst place to be. I heard a pastor at a pastor seminar one time and he said he was praying and he was asking God, God, why don't you send people to my church? You're sending them to Brother Jones's church and Brother Smith's church and this church and that, why aren't you sending people to my church? And he said, God spoke to me and God said, I love people too much to send them to your church. Your church is full of bitterness and anger and animosity and jockeying for position and Turmoil and strife and bitterness and problems I love them too much to send them to your church Amen. Amen. Well, go, yeah. we're building it for the hurting and the wounded and the bruised and the broken for them to come to and find unconditional love and acceptance for them to find a safe place a place that will not judge them when they come in with their pink hair and their tattoos Amen. and their earrings and their nose rings I'm talking about the deacons right now. Kidding, <laughs> come on. But For them to come in and to be restored. To be restored. But once they are restored, once they are healed, once they are restored, once they are whole, they can help us restore other people. And the more people we have, the more resources we will have. Our missions budget can literally Explode. Our mission's goal right now is to give a million dollars in the next five years. But listen, five years from now when we got five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand people, who knows what we might have? Amen. We might give a million dollars to missions in one year. This is what God has placed in my heart. This is the assignment God has given to this leader. Restoration and missions. And that's what we are now. And that's what we're going to be over there. Yeah, we might look a little bit different. It might be a little more modern and up-to-date. It might be a little more trendy over there. But I'm telling you that our heart is still going to be for the broken. Our heart is still going to be for the bruised. Amen. The preacher, the man of God is still going to get up. And he's still going to preach, thus saith the word of God. You don't have to worry. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not Going to stop, Amen. We're going to have a heart for the broken and the hurting, Amen. And then we're going to do everything we can to reach the world with the Lord Jesus Christ through missions. That's what we're all about. It's what's in my heart. <clears throat> Number four. My wife's not here today, so she's not pointing at her watch. Number four, and I'm going to do the next three much quicker, all right? Number four, the associates. I see the associates, verse 26. When Saul returned to his home in Gibeah, a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. Notice the phrase. A group of men whose hearts God had touched. You see, when God calls the leader, He also calls followers. And what God has placed in the leader's heart, He will also place in the heart of that leader's followers. The leader can't do it alone. By himself, he is limited to what he alone can do. But if he builds a team, and if those on his team will capture his heart... You see, the job of the people God places under a leader is to help their leader carry out his God-appointed assignment. If what is in the leader's heart is not in your heart, then you are following the wrong leader. Oh, my wife hates it when I say stuff like that. She just knows somebody's going to leave. But I'm telling you, if you don't have my heart, you might as well leave because you will eventually. You might as well now. And I'm not inviting anybody to leave. But the truth of the matter is, if what is in the leader's heart is not in your heart, then you are following the wrong leader. What's in the leader's heart must also get into the heart of his followers. God will give true God-called leaders some God-called followers who are like-minded, who share the same heart. God gave Moses, Aaron, and Her. Now her is him, don't forget. God gave Moses, Aaron and her, to hold up his hands when they got tired. You see, God's blessing flowed through Israel's God-called leader, Moses. You need to understand that. That's a principle. It's a principle. God's blessings flowed through Israel's God-called leader, Moses. That's the truth. But Moses couldn't do it alone. He needed Aaron and he needed her to help him carry the load. And when the burden became too heavy for Moses and he couldn't hold up his hands anymore, Aaron and her held them up for him. The blessing came through the hands of Moses. It did. The blessing came through the hands of Moses. But it was Aaron and her who kept the blessings flowing by holding up the hands of the God-called leader. It's not the job of the associates to jockey for position. It's their job to get the heart of their leader. It's their job to hold up the hands of the leader where the blessing is flowing through. I love what it says in verse 26. A group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him. Is there a group of people here today who will allow God to touch your heart? Who will become like-minded with me? Who will ask God to put what's in my heart in your heart? Will you go with me like Saul's men went with him? If you are on my team this morning, will you continue to be on my team? Will you let me know you are on my team? Because sometimes it's hard to tell. If you're not on my team, will you join my team? And by the way, it's not my team. It's God's team. He just chose me to lead His team. The fifth thing that I see this morning, we're we're, we're closing quickly here. The adversity. Verse 27, but there were some... (laughs) But there were some. There always are some. Always. There were some. The Bible says there were some scoundrels who complained. Really? Some people really complained? Nah. Yeah. There were some scoundrels who complained. Who's this dude? What makes him so special? It's the Mike Benson version, but it's the same. Who's this dude? What makes him so special? Okay, I'll read it right from the Bible. How can this man save us? And they scorned him. Let me tell you that nothing substantial is ever accomplished without adversity. God's work isn't easy. But it's well worth the effort. Not everybody's going to march in your parade. There always will be some. And the last thing that I see in this little passage, number six, is the attitude. Verse number 27, there were some. But notice the next phrase, but Saul ignored them. I like that. Saul chose to focus on those that were for him rather than to focus on those that were against him. He chose to be encouraged by those whose hearts God had touched rather than to be discouraged by the few scoundrels that rejected him and his leadership. In 40 years of ministry, I have always worked with this premise. And I've had to tell my wife this many times. But I've always worked with this premise in my ministry. If a few people are against me and against my leadership, then it's their problem. If a lot of people are against me and my leadership, then it's my problem. So far in over 40 years of full-time ministry, I've only had a... Just a handful. I mean, I could count them on one hand. The people that would not follow me. So it has been their problem. Amen. You see, your attitude toward adversity will determine how things turn out for you. During a practice session for the Green Bay Packers, things were not going well for Vince Lombardi's team. Lombardi singled out one big guard for his failure to put out. It was a hot, muggy day when the coach called his guard aside and leveled his awesome vocal guns on him as only Lombardi could. Shine he said, you are a lousy football player. You're not blocking, you're not tackling, you're not putting out. As a matter of fact, it's all over for you today, boy. Go take a shower. The big guard dropped his head and walked into the dressing room. Forty-five minutes later, when Lombardi walked in, he saw the big guard sitting in front of his locker, still wearing his uniform. His head was bowed and he was sobbing quietly. Vince Lombardi, ever the changeable but always the compassionate warrior, did something of an about face that was also typical of him. He walked over to his football player, put his arms around his shoulder, and said, Son, he said, I told you the truth. You're a lousy football player. You're not blocking, you're not tackling, you're not putting out. However, in all fairness to you, I should have finished the story. He said, Inside of you, there is a great football player. And I'm going to stick by your side until the great football player inside of you has a chance to come out and assert himself. If you know football, with these words, Jerry Kramer straightened up and felt a great deal better. As a matter of fact, he felt so much better, he went on to become one of the all-time greats in football and was recently voted the all-time guard in the first 50 years of professional football. You see, his attitude toward adversity changed him from a loser to a winner. If the worship team could get back in place this morning, Listen, the principles in this lesson today will work on any team. The marriage team, the family team, the the corporate team, the sports team. You and I today, we are members of a great team called New Bethel, soon to become the Grace Place. And God has called me to lead this team. And I count it a high honor to leave this to you. Pastor friend told me, Benson, you need to quit building that church over there and building that church and that congregation over there. They'll realize they can get them a good preacher now, man. (laughs) Couldn't get a good one back then, but they can get one now. You better be careful. God called me to lead this team. I counted a high honor to lead this team. I ask you this morning, will you follow me as I follow Christ? Because alone we can do very, very little, but together, together as a team, as a team only, the only limits that we have as a team are the limits that we are putting on ourselves. I want to read verse 26 one last time. Everyone standing, please. A group of men whose hearts God had touched went with Him. I've discovered it's hard to follow somebody unless God touches your heart. I've had to resign some positions before because I just... I didn't have the heart of the leader. And I was just going through the motions. I wasn't any help to him. I didn't have his heart. And every time his mouth opened, he said something I disagreed with. I can't help this man. So gracefully, without fanfare, I just stepped aside. Let somebody else step up whose heart God had touched that had a heart that matched the heart of the leader. I'm asking you today if my dear friend from Midland we're here today after church, he'd say, what's going on? Who's, who's not following you? Who, who, who? Don? His name was Don. I didn't mean to say that, but I slipped it out. Don. Ain't no problem. I believe in preventive medicine. I don't want to fix something after it's broke. Amen. I want to keep it healthy. Instead of waiting until it's broke, try and fix it. So there's nothing wrong. Nobody, I mean, surely out of this group of people, there's somebody not following. I don't really know who that is, but there probably is. There's not the I don't know, I just I'm preaching because God put this in my heart. God, I just pray today that you'll take the word of the Lord this morning, Lord, that has been shared. God, if there's anyone in this room today, Lord, they do not have my heart. They do not have a heart for the broken, the bruised, the wounded. They do not have a heart for missions. They don't have a heart for still presenting the whole truth. God, I just pray that you'll, what's in my heart, you'll put in the heart of your people. Continue to give us followers who have our heart. So that we can accomplish what you put us on planet earth to accomplish. And that's what it's all about. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we all just move forward this morning? Everyone move forward today. We've got a few minutes before our time to be dismissed. Not a lot of time, but about three minutes or so at least. For the next group will start coming in. I want you to just take a moment this morning and examine your heart. I want you to just take a moment let God speak to you this morning. I want you to take a moment this morning. Maybe maybe today will be the day when God takes what is in my heart and He puts it in your heart. I've been pounding away at it for years, but this might finally be the day when it gets out of my heart and it gets into your heart. Maybe this will be the day when you become not just a spectator, but you will become an Aaron or a her. The day when you will decide, I'm going to stand on the right or on the left of my pastor. I'm going to help hold up his hands. I'm going to help him fulfill his God called mission. I will give you a moment, let you just have one-on-one time with the Lord, and then we're going to worship, and then we'll be done today.
1: I just uh, thank you for the team that you have assembled here at New Bethel Church and how you're preparing us for the grace place. And Father, I pray that we would catch the vision that you have placed in Pastor's heart, vision to restore broken people and the vision for missions to, to see people all across the world come to know you that have never heard the gospel message of salvation. Lord, put that vision upon our hearts. Bring people to our church with that vision. Lord, we love you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are dismissed this morning. If you're a guest with us, don't forget to turn in your connection card at our welcome center. Have a wonderful day and God bless. (laughs) you <laughs>